Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. I am your host, Damien B. Donnelly, and thank you so much for joining us here today, where we are merging the hemispheres north and south. We are stretching out from Dublin with a calm caress of cove in the west coast of Ireland before swimming over to England and from there we have nods to Denmark and Italy along the way before we high-five China and eventually sat down in Australia to hear from poets in both Sydney and Brisbane. We are now at the halfway stage of season two, with a party of poets lined up to join us over the next eight weeks, and every week we seem to be expanding our poetry podcast platform. We are now currently on Anchor, Apple, Google, Breaker, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast and Public Radio, and possibly one or two that I haven't even figured out. So if you find us anywhere else, then please drop me an email and let me know. Okay, let's get started. We have four guests ready to entertain and transport you today over the next hour. So let's get on with the show. As today's show is about connecting two hemispheres, I here in the Northern Hemisphere am going to read for you now a poem about my interest in origami, a very Southern pastime. I say it's a poem about origami and the art of paper folding, but really it's a poem about the ways we fold each other and sometimes how those folds can cut. This poem is called The Art of an Existentialist Fold. When two things come together, they often become one. Like Ori when it's pressed into Kami, But is the one equal parts of the two that previously existed? But in the art of origami, when you fold a page in half, that which was once a square is forever reformed beneath the pressure of the thumb's press. So when the corners come to kiss, I wonder if they can really be regarded as the same page we started with. Though an elastic is ruled by its recoil, its return results from what it's learned by being stretched. It comes back not to comfort, but to confront that which let it go. I have pictures of you I put away, Particles of the past pasted into a portrait of who we were before the spiral brought me up and out and then back again. Folded over and coming in to compare first kiss with this last. But it's not just the pace of this breath that's changed. We have stretched the elasticity of our connection so far that it doesn't sit back over the bones how it should. I recall the taste of your lips, the plump press of the lower that my upper teeth often bit, but we've since been bent by other bodies. Other flavours passing over these tongues that were once tender triggers for the other's taste. 
I see shadows of where we once stood and try to slip my skin back into that which I once captured in the frame of a camera that is now the only thing that connects. I slip, but the shadow shivers. The recoil recalls how far we bent each other over. This crease down the centre of who we once were, is not just a fold. In Japan, origami is where the paper is folded, but kiragami is where the paper has been cut. My first guest on today's show I discovered on Twitter via Black Bow Poetry and their weekly Top Tweet Tuesday, which, as it says in the hashtag, happens every Tuesday when a poet tweets a poem of their own and others share, comment and encourage. I think it's possibly the best way to discover what's going on in the poetry world right now, so check out Black Bow Poetry and their Top Tweet Tuesday, hosted every week by a different poet. This week it was hosted by former Eat the Storms guest Phil Vernon. But for now, back to today's current guest, whose debut poetry pamphlet will be published in December of this year by Broken Sleep Books, and it will be called Water Barrier. Today, thankfully, he is joining us to share three poems from this collection, which explores the impact of family dysfunctionality and trauma upon the norms of masculinity. But don't be fooled into thinking that this is all he's writing deals with. He has been known at times to write the odd poem about cats and, of course, his current interest in moon poems. You can find him on Twitter at The Absentee or on his website www.theabsentee.com. Joining us from Leicester in the United Kingdom is the poet with work published in Selcott Station after the Poles and Bear Bua Journal. This is Stuart McPherson. Thank you, Damien, for having me on your awesome podcast. My name is Stuart McPherson, and I'm excited to be reading three poems from my debut pamphlet, Waterbearer, which is due to be released in December this year by the very lovely Broken Sleep Books. The pamphlet itself is about the impacts of abuse within a dysfunctional family, and it's really an exploration of the impacts of trauma on self-identity, masculinity and the family unit, as well as the possibility of recovery. And the first poem I'm going to read is called Looking at a Photograph of My Daughter. It's a poem of two parts, the first from my perspective and then the second from my daughter's. The poem itself is really about the anxiety of parental responsibility whilst dealing with your own mental health issues and particularly when they involve dissociation or feelings of being withdrawn from the world. Looking at a photograph of my daughter. Europa, I am preoccupied with storms and you with orbits around my body. Your face born bright and me unable to bear the weight of feet. You're beautifully pale, blue on black. My gravity hasn't failed you yet, young moon. But maybe the size of space, my absorption, this propensity for vastness, the way that I live out here. 
Did you see me, Europa? Through a telescope or the touch of gravity pushing in our lives? Born free and here I am, hoping for revival, that fear won't pull you in, that in absence you might forgive this process of creation, this mad old way I seem to spin. J-U-P-I-T-E-R Jupiter, Jupiter, you've got it. Dada, can we play? Just two minutes. I'm so far away from you. What is that, Dada, on your skin? It's very red. Can I squeeze it? Don't touch it, Europa, please. I can still see you, Dada. Thick atmosphere, not thin. I'll count to ten, that will begin to look again, okay? My book says you're a gas giant. Are you, Dada? Dada, are you bright like Venus? Between us is space. Okay, Dada, are you ready? 33, 34. No, not under the bed, not on the floor. Where is he? Dada, you're not being kind. He must be near. Not in my room, not behind the door. It's my turn now, Daddy, okay? Jupiter says, Daughter, I'm three and a half days away from seeing your face, my wrist tethered to this fear. How can I let you find me? Little Europa, my little moon, if I am never here. The second poem I'm going to read is called Self-Help Manual, written in invisible ink. And this is a high burn about the necessity of self-care. And for someone who has mental health issues, it's about acknowledging that you can't and shouldn't ignore yourself forever and that it's perfectly acceptable to carve out time to do this, but also that there are people who can help and not to be afraid to reach out for it. Self-help manual written in invisible ink. And then, as if revolving around the sun, he started to spin. Language a lie spun by two separate lives, one before, one after. He had made it this far. They kept talking to him about nature, its benefits. He thought about himself. A leaf blown onto the shelf of a high rock. It seems with all the others never quite seen or felt between fingers, rubbed into dust. His lungs now thin and unable to accommodate this present air, or past. The golden hands of sunlight existing solely to burn skin. How do you meditate when all you do is sit lotus-legged and see the armors just sound released? These must-have strategies. Some preparation for transcendence. His previous dependence on horoscopes and zodiacs. His place in the world in the hands of fate, the chime of tincture. No line, no trajectory between what is or has been and definitions of identity all down to conjunction. Excuses for defunct people. Benign fun, benign body. What is running but the taste of blood on your tongue or a heaving in and out? Some need for self-care, a test. And before she left, she talked about the way he ignored himself. Something held within. The knowingness of a peak worn down beneath water, beneath wind. The mountain concedes, steepest sides, pine slanted sticks, all absolved in time. And the final poem I'm going to read is called Engineering Self-Worth. 
And this poem is about not always believing what you see in the mirror. It's about not believing some of the things um, some of the things that you think are true about yourself, particularly those who have lived within dysfunctional families and have anxiety about self-fulfilling prophecy, or in other words, you know, worrying about making the same mistakes that your parents did. Engineering self-worth. How can a mirror know itself like a door knows itself with its letting in and out or that sense of self felt in the growing bones? A cracked mirror is duplication. It's judgment silver-backed in the embellishment of my mother's earrings, my father's confinement to his shadow chair, a backhand, a knife swung like a kite to stab the earth. The time to become something or misalignment. His droning voice is mine, an understanding of sketches, my outline, a scribbling like trees scratched on paper abstractly. Unfair to mirrors, maybe, but they infer the scratch of self freely undone, like Mars screams war, but isn't. On killing, an unloaded gun retorts. There are no answers in mirrors. They do not know to look up, or the crow knight fled, or what it is to be unburied and orienteer. Explore fear, lead instead, true north. I will not bow to you, knight. That's all from me. Thank you, everyone. And thank you again to Damien. I first heard this next guest read her poetry on a rather wind-blown day along the cliffs of Moher in County Clare here in Ireland as I watched Irish surrealist poet Kevin Bateman host his poetry event Where Love Meets the Waves, still available to watch on his YouTube channel Kevin Bateman Presents. She is an award-winning Sydney-based Irish poet and writer. A journalist, magazine editor, media communications director of over 30 years, while her poetry ranks in the Irish Times most read list. She is the author of the critically acclaimed collections Where the Lost Things Go and Out of Empty Cups, which was selected for the best dressed in 2020 by the Sundress Academy for the Arts in the United States and also for Bucks of the Year 2019 by the Lonely Crowd magazine in the UK. Her third collection will be published by Summon Poetry in 2021. She has won awards in Ireland, the UK, the USA, Hong Kong, Canada and Australia. And today it is really an honour to have her on the show. Please welcome Anne Casey. Thank you so much for having me, Damien. It's a great privilege and such a joy to join you on this wonderful podcast from Ireland, particularly during our long exile here in Australia due to COVID. In a couple of months, it'll be two years since I've been able to travel home to my beloved west coast of Clare and to see family. So it's nice to be able to visit at least virtually with you here today. With this very much front of mind, I thought I'd read you some poems from my third collection forthcoming this year from Salmon Poetry. I was commissioned to write this first poem to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. As I contemplated what I might write for that auspicious occasion, I thought about what it must have been like to stand on the surface of the moon 
and look back through all that darkness at earth. I thought it must give you an entirely different perspective. As we look now at emerging out of all the darkness of this past year, I think what a shame it would be if we didn't take some new perspective with us, hopefully some greater sense of universal purpose. Singularity, staring back through that magnificent desolation to this deviled blue globe, one dome suspended in light, the other obscured by the shadow of where you stood, immersed as you were in light particles from long dead stars. Did you wonder at our seemingly eternal journey? cycling over and over from light to dark to light reflecting on earth seeing home for the first time in that vast perspective at once vivid and spectral this silenced beauty turning slowly over its own desolate truth the enormity of its one persisting challenge to somehow find our allied humanity, a singular planetary alignment as subtly elusive as one perfect surface reflection, as great and bungled, as necessary as the light we feed on, as desperate to repel the dark over and over to separate and break us apart from the spectre of some alternative reality, time folded in on itself, suspending us in an other perpetual virtual truth and the hovering ghosts of what could have been. I suppose what we need most in these turbulent times is healing. So here is my very own remedy for overcoming the times we've been living through. It's a personal favourite with our Irish Consul General here in Australia at the moment, a great patron of the arts, the Honourable Owen Feeney. How to survive an apocalypse. Practice social media distancing. After every exposure, thoroughly wash heart for at least 20 seconds. Do not hoard statistics. They have a short shelf life and offer questionable nourishment. Wherever possible, dress inappropriately. Seek advice from trees. Trust the judgment of animals, even the tiniest ones. Practice free flight in your head. Become attracted to light. Love immoderately. If in doubt, dance. I leave you now with the restorative force of the wave-washed west of Ireland landscape. 
this final poem is a cento. It's composed entirely of lines from poems um, by Jesse Lendeni, who was recently acknowledged by President Michael D. Higgins for her contribution to Irish literature over the past 40 years, particularly as managing director of Salmon Poetry, where she is well known for her support of women and underrepresented voices. Sincere thanks again, Damien, and to all of your wonderful listeners. Suggestions for Living, Ascento, after Jesse Lendeni. Lay still, the sounds heard, the beginnings of comfort. Feel the sea on the wind, the fall falling of the wave riding the horizon and the waves recede beyond the cliffs, beyond the trees, rows upon rows, filling their long trailing sacks. In the darkness, the silence at the centre of the wind, the sound of rain. In the dark, trace a circle around the willow, Time, the slowest of movements. Fine rain against thin glass, against hard stones, like so many broken children. Grow into gypsy, hobo, a child of rain. No water as it seeps from sky, from the heart. Know the sharp light of sun, on bottles broken in the street. The horizon is both this path and the edge of the sea. And memory is a fracturing, a breaking of light and dark with an old dog who knows all the secret places down the unpaved road to the calm bay. Become part of something sacred Salmon in a small stream that rolled down to the beach, going home or starting out. Believe in past lives. Sit and wait for everyone to come home. Silver dogs in the sea unhindered, gazing down the valley to Liscanor, the Hinch and the bay. Walk the stones of Clahan, romantic Ireland smells of soft wind. Move slowly among ghosts whose bodies are anywhere but here. Lose place, follow another pack, maybe take a wrong turn at the edge of the sea. As the last storm leaves again, lay still, the night moved past. Brush wonder as a child, fingers tapping at windows, reach out, softly moved.
Our next guest on the show today not only has poetry in one of my favourite anthologies from last year, Deep Time, Volume 1 and 2, from Black Bow Poetry, but he was also the composer to the soundtrack of Deep Time, Volume 1 and 2. He is our second Australian guest on the show today, a Brisbane-based writer whose debut poetry collection was published in 2015 called Encyclopedia of Trees, a 19-poem collection on the theme of time and memory, and each poem is accompanied by a piece of original music. And today, dearest listeners, you have the fortune of one of those poems being accompanied by his original score. His work has appeared in various publications, such as the previously mentioned Black Bow Poetry, Adelaide Literary Magazine and the Wellington Street Review. So after falling in love with his poetry here today, I suggest you head off to explore his musical back catalogue of five studio albums. It is a real pleasure to have as a guest on the show today, Stuart Rawlinson. Hello, my name is Stuart Rawlinson and first of all, thank you so much Damien for inviting me onto the podcast. Um, really looking forward to sharing a few of my poems with you all. Uh, the first one I'd like to read uh, comes from uh, Black Bow Poetry's Deep Time Volume 2, uh, which was released in 2020. And it really was a a great experience to have been part of that project and uh, not just to have a couple of poems accepted for it but also to have written uh, several um, original pieces of music uh, to, to complement the the two volumes. Um, I'd like to read one of the uh, the poems from volume two. This is called De Racine. Rootless dimension, fell reflected in an underlined sky. The you in negative, windswept on a crumbled wall, runs up through root, trunk and branch. A swallow skirts the tree line, separating the mind from the other world. The slopes scars lengthen in the late sun. The next poem that I would like to, to read actually comes from my first collection of poems that came out a few years ago. It's called Encyclopedia of Trees. And this is a poem about um, where I come from. Um, I've spent the last 20 years of my life living overseas. Um, I'm currently in Australia, but... Um, for the last 20 years I've lived in different places around the world and one thing that I've always come back to in, in my writing has, has been that sense of, of place, of, of where I come from and how my relationship to that has changed over the years. Um, so this is called Bleasdale Circle. The land is barren on Christmas Day. Fragments of ferns imprint the earth. A solitary deer hides in the mill. A starving wind reaches from the Irish sea and buffets the latent memories till trees are no longer skeletons, 
and children no longer hibernate. The village hall wafts its cream teas and Battenbergs, the smell of old wood in the church, an aroma of memories prescience. And so to the circle, surrounded by trees whose names I never knew, an encyclopedia upon the moor's lectern fills in the missing memories that the roots forgot to grow. Flowers become more than rose or daffodil. Birds become hawk, osprey, sparrow. Why a circle? Gravity's contours bring me back time and time again, whether dilated or contracted. Has the fell always been ruined? Crumbling stone walls, sections of hedge, enclosed and unditched. Is remembrance destruction, an implanted circle of teeth in the moor's gun, it augments yourself. The last poem that I'd like to read for you now uh, 
comes from uh, a new collection that is uh, coming out soon. This is uh, a series of 10 poems. Uh, each poem comes again with a song. Um, and this time the focus is really about the, the country where I spent most of my adult life, which was uh, China. And I left there a few years ago now, but uh, it still has a, a very big uh, impression on, on, on my life. And um, this poem is called An Inn. From simple means to hard-fought acceptance, I search for an inn, a knife edge of light, a back door ajar, a glimpse through an open window. Share with me an anecdote to a time misremembered and contaminated, the scrutinized roots to the mind's locus. These borderless views recalled beneath a dim light from precise monoliths buried unseen by modern foundations. An array of sharpened instruments, finely honed skills cannot disturb my grip tightens, the past like liquid, seeps away into the barren earth, at last a shadow. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks again, Damien. And staying in China for a little longer, I worked in the fashion industry for over 20 years. So there were many journeys back and forwards to many different parts of China. And this poem that I'm going to share with you now, I wrote one Sunday evening in Hong Kong when I had just arrived that morning and was completely jet lagged. The rain was pouring down and the only thing I could do was wander through the local ladies market buying everything and anything and nothing before sleep came and dragged me into dreams of dragons. This poem is called Cats and Dragons and Brawlies And so lives sound A chorus of sound A glorious cacophony A clatter A sound of ladies looking, laughing, chanting, shouting A shuffle of feet Tiny feet, tiny ladies on a tiny street The lady street with brawlies Bright brawlies, tartan brawlies, cheap brawlies Silly brawlies, bending brawlies, broken brawlies By the sound of the rain falling down Of the ladies laughing, of the buyers buying Of the colours clashing Brawlies battered by the weather, polyester being pelted and pounded, brawlies held by ladies as they barter, as they battle for the better buy, the ladies at the ladies market in Hong Kong on a Sunday, and I'm jet lagged and bargained out, and that seller saw me coming and is laughing at me going and is holding all my money in her hands, not mine. And so lives sound. 
Raindrops on tartans and high-pitched voices, squeezing and screeching and giggling, always giggling and grinning, cats nodding, nodding at the sudden dreams as tiny feet plod in puddles, ladies' feet in little puddles that are free, the only things that are free on a Sunday in the rain at the ladies' market. At the market where I bought too much kitty, too much kitsch, too much crap on its market day and I'm jet-lagged and the ladies are scary and my head is weary, big feet in little puddles, foreign puddles in China, in faraway China, big trouble in little China, although it's not so little, but filled with big chips and cracks and nodding cats grinning and glaring gold. You need shades, because they have shades on this little tiny street with its towering blocks, chipped and cracked and looming overhead in the clouds, drowning in the dragon's breath with their lights and movement, a chorus of lights, a cacophony of movement, and the lights are bright and the buildings are broken, but the movement is magical. A dragon starts dancing in the distance. Men underneath, a polyester dragon, a pink polyester dragon with many legs moving, marching, men's legs on the ladies' street at the ladies' market, winding through the ladies' faces and shouting and bartering and rubbish. In my bags there is rubbish, seriously overpriced rubbish, but I'm smiling at the faces of the ladies and the dragons and the legs and the dodging of the brawlies and the bobbing bright brawlies, all racing with the dragons on the Sunday at the market, and the market is marching and everyone is marching, marching onwards and ever onwards and the cats are forever nodding and bowing and laughing at the dark side of this day, of the ladies day on this Sunday at this market and the foreign rain is falling My final guest on today's show is only months away from the launch of her novel In the Dark, which will be published by Tourist Press at the end of May 2021. She is a poet and translator born in Ireland to an Irish father and a Spanish mother. She grew up bilingually and rarely a moment passed where her nose was not in a book. Languages have always fascinated her to the extent that she has never stopped learning or improving her knowledge of them. She has a BA in Spanish and French from Trinity College in Dublin and an MA in Translation Studies from DCU. Over the past 15 years, she's translated poetry from Spanish and Italian to English while being the recipient of two awards from the Arts Council of Ireland to further her writing. Her translations have won many prizes abroad and her own poetry has been featured in many anthologies along with her own collections including Crunch, also published by the Tourist Press. Please welcome to the show Anna Maria Crow Serrano. Hello, my name is Anna Maria Crow Serrano and I'm delighted to have been asked to read for the Eat the Storms podcast, which is very generously put together by Damien Donnelly. Given that I'm recording this in Dublin in the middle of several months of lockdown, with movement restricted to five kilometres from your house, I thought I'd read poems that are set in faraway places so we can travel in our minds at least. 
The first two poems are untitled. They're from my collection Crunch, published by Turris Press, and they take us to an esoteric destination, the Garden of Earthly Delights, Eden. The apple is the protagonist of this collection, and it has a voice of its own. The interesting thing is that there is no mention in the Bible of the actual fruit that Eve is supposed to have eaten. The apple was linked at some point to the concept of evil because the Latin word for apple is malus, which also means evil. So the apple in this poem challenges traditional views of Eve and the concept of her actions as being sinful. I know what it's like to be the apple of her eye. Night and day, her foremost thought, the drive to turn complacency on its head. I know what it's like to see the plot unfolding in the shape of her hand reaching out to me. Such intensity of purpose overriding fear. Her impulse to bite is a test, not of virtue, but intelligence. When she looks at me, she can tell there is more worth knowing than the pampering that goes on in paradise. She can tell I am the key to the secrets of the universe. It is why I am so edible to her discerning eye as she examines me now in the palm of her hand. She lifts me to her face, but it will still take a leap of faith for her to bite. In the second poem from the collection Crunch, the apple is having a bit of an identity crisis. She is named, her children named, and her children's children. A long lineage, branching, forking, fruits of multiplication recorded in papyrus for posterity. She is the root of my neglect, while I remain unnamed, merely used so as to be abused. But I am more than the butt of a universal joke. I am the very core of philosophies invented for her to believe in, fall over and over into amnesia. By the skin of her teeth she clings to the memory of herself as truth, daughter of the earth, mistress of paradise. From Eden we're going to travel to Peru, where I did a trek in the Andes. This poem, called Quechua, which is one of the native languages of Peru, appears in my first collection, Femispheres, published by Shearsman Books. It focuses on how we think about ordinary things differently when we're in foreign places, because our senses are more heightened in our new surroundings. Quechua. If you listen, you hear the wind blowing you down. You hear the Milky Way spunking along the sky and the night takes a deep breath, as if about to explain the exact reason it's so close to the black hole at the centre of love, but refuses to get sucked in. You hear the origin of thought pick a path through the unwritten word in heaps of dung penned in by stone walls where a universe of hens and hogs daintily dance round each other at some angle other than the orbit of logic, and you know you've heard the truth. You hear silence, the desolation of altitude, with its eloquent patterns etched to extreme locution, running with its tongue ablaze in the glaciers, whispering as they melt. 
Turning now to Denmark, there's a jazz festival in Copenhagen every year for the month of July, and a lot of it takes place in the streets. This next poem was a fairly spontaneous reaction to one of the acts that I saw as I turned into a street one year when I was there. Jazz in July. On grey cobbles, grey pigeon wobbles to a jazz hobble beat. Neck low, sweeps across the street, sweet weed, sniff deep. So high those fully fledged feet, feather flap, feather wide, flying fine, tripping to the sky, to the blow cheek trumpet beat, the sun cap mellow bellow of the pigtail cello man, merry finger pluck and jam, big jazz bang, man, what a Copenhagen afternoon. Staying in sunny places, I'll read a poem set in Malaga, Spain. I went to the Picasso Museum there with my friend Nina Caracosta, who is the co-author of Kaleidograph, the collection where this poem appears, published by Corrupt Press. A strange thing happened to me on that visit. I went in loving Picasso's work, wanting to learn more from it. But as I went around the gallery, I got a strong sense of an arrogant man that I'd never considered before a man who didn't treat the women in his life with the kind of respect that I would have liked to have seen. So I left the exhibition slightly disappointed that instead of liking Picasso more, I now liked him a little bit less. The poem has a Greek title, Amerolipsia, which means impartiality. Today we visited the Picasso Museum, where everyone was in love, except Picasso. He frowned and said he was trying to live in the moment, with its intensity, and wasn't searching for anything, not some future form or aspiration. Sometimes, the less sure you are, the more convincing you come across. I wanted to take note, liberate myself from want, but his brow creased to lowercase xi, unintelligible, and Olga gave him such a bitter look I could tell he had lied. Obsession is not of the moment, it's of the past. A refusal of anything but mother's milk, the sea slapping under her armpits and jasmine round her waist releasing witchcraft. In the museum, Dora tried to distract him, flaunting her thighs, piece of pie, squatted at his request over his mouth, dancing all the way down to his cock, right breast swinging left, maracuya, left breast ripening round the back of the chair, ole. For a moment, he forgot what had driven him to anger, all those gypsy words that lost their lips in his youth, bulls and guitars blinding the walls with regret. I'll finish up with a poem set in a really beautiful destination, Cork in Ireland. There's a lovely statue in Cove looking out over the sea of a man holding a paper boat in his palms. When I saw that statue for the first time, I felt it represented the expectation of adventure. But then that idea blended in with the idea of leaving a place as a way of getting away from problems. Leaving Cove. You hold me in the palm of your hands, my vision snaking out to sea, up, down the waves, as I hoist a sail, as I unravel youth. The ropes tingle with preparatory songs, untangle the wind in my jib. Children poke and cradle me, see me off, 
away. With a curious kiss of ice cream and cliffs curl like your fingers round me. The idea of terra firma was pulverised long ago by those mountains of ocean beckoning, each wave confirming the need to climb, fall, hurt, embrace the dangers beyond the bandstand and St. Coleman's chiming tidal in my ear, the need to plunder the edge of the pier, fathom the thin line between leaving and losing my mind. I imagine this is where the piracy begins, where you hold me captive to your sorrows, scrubbing ancestral memory from the deck, while the world sneaks illegal substances into my dreams, a gram of doubt or fear. I beat and tack across your steady palms, thinking your breath is a favourable wind, thinking there's some exotic elsewhere marked X on a map I might yet find. Thank you very much for listening. And just like that, it's time for one final poem. And the last poem I'm going to share with you today was published in Two Meter Review and their winter anthology, which was launched just last Tuesday on Instagram. And hopefully next week on the show, I'll be talking to Bo Williamson and Hazel Hogan, the creators of this glorious new literary journal. This poem was inspired by Anais Nin and Henry Miller who dined, dated and desired at the Café Lazare in Paris in the 14th arrondissement, which was where I lived and dined and dated and wondered about what happened to them. It's called An Account of Your Drinks and My Desires. I used to sit here, sipping cocktails I couldn't afford, just because you sat here years before me, drinking lust from lips that weren't yours. I used to sit here, in the heady heat of all you had eaten of each other, wondering if I stayed long enough, would I be able to taste what it was like to devour all that desire? I used to come here to scribble down all I might one day forget. And I wondered if she forgot you as quickly as she turned the page to the next date in her diary. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, thank you for joining us for another episode of Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. I have been your host, Damien B. Donnelly, and the stars of today's show sharing their sensational words with us have been Anne Casey, Stuart McPherson, Stuart Rawlinson and Anna Maria Crow-Serrano. If you are looking for details of all of these poets, then please head over to www.eatthestorms.com. Check out the podcast section where you will find the listings for each and every episode. This is episode 8, season 2. 
If you have any questions or if you're a poet and you'd like to join me here on the podcast, then please drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Just a few notes before we end today's episode. As I already mentioned on the show, this was the week of the launch of Two Meter Review and their winter issue. So huge congratulations to Bo Williamson and Hazel Hogan. They are the small poetry press based here in Dublin, a working class grassroots publication motivated by connection and the elevation of the Irish and American voices. And hopefully in the coming weeks, we will chat to Bo and Hazel about their new journal. Last weekend, I treated myself to a copy of Swansea-born poet Di Fry's collection Under Photon Crowns, Selected Writings, just published by Black Bow Poetry, an astonishing collection that looks at the elementary and the extraordinary. I wrote about my love for this collection on Talk About Books over at eatthestorms.com, so when the podcast is over, how about you head over there, check out the review, and then click on the links to get your own copy. If you are looking for more poetry, then next Tuesday evening, Vicky Allen is celebrating her one-year anniversary of her debut pamphlet, Broken Things and Other Tales, which was published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press. And so, to celebrate this, she has invited myself and Gaynor Kane and other poets for a Zoom evening of celebration and open mic readings. You can find out more details over on Vicky's page on Bring on the Joy, and there will also be a link to this, of course, in the podcast section for today's episode. Okay, that's it for me. I've been your host, as I said, Damien B. Donnelly, and this has been Eat the Storms, Episode 8, Season 2. We will see you again next week with more poetry, more fantastic guests from all around the world. So until then, stay safe, stay well, and as always, of course, stay bloody poetic!